When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Hugh McTeer and as always, this episode is rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. This is a recap of the latest match day of La Liga action of round 32 and it was a round where the top four ended up bunched even more tightly together. In summary, Barcelona and Sevilla won, Real Madrid drew and leaders Atletico lost. We'll have all the details of these matches coming up, but first off, let's look at the leaders Atletico. They're still top of the table, they've got 73 points, Real Madrid now have 71, Barcelona have 71 and Sevilla have 70. But keep in mind, Barcelona do still have a game in hand, so that Barcelona versus Atletico game at the Camp Nou on May 8th is even more important now. Atletico played in the Sunday night game this weekend, they had a trip to Bilbao to take on Atletic. That's never easy, but in pandemic times, San Mames isn't so San Mames. And remember, this is an athletic team with morale through the floor after losing two cup finals. But an early Alex Berenger header gave them a lead, and they held on for most of the match. In the second half, Simeone threw on Luis Suarez, Joao Felix, and Thomas Lamar at once. Those three had all been out injured, remember, so weren't ready enough to play the full 90 minutes. But they came on to try and turn it around, and Atleti did equalise, although it was Stefan Savage as the unlikely goal scorer, also with a header. But back up the other end, Inigo Martinez headed in the corner for the 2-1 final score. Three headers, three points dropped for Atletico, with Real Madrid drawn, and we'll discuss that in detail later, but with Real Madrid drawn, this was the perfect weekend then for Barcelona. They had a tough trip to Villarreal, but won 2-1 as they responded immediately to a Samu Chukwesi goal. 87 seconds after Villarreal took the lead, Griezmann equalised with a lovely chip and then added what would turn out to be the winner seven minutes later. We'll discuss this game now by bringing in our first interviewee of the show, that's our resident Barca fan, Roman de Arquer. After going behind, how brilliant was that Barcelona response, Roman? It was a perfect response. I mean, it couldn't have gone any better. Uh, because uh, I think Barcelona did deserve a bit more in the first half. They were generating more in attack, the better chances, and it felt like it was a bit unfair to see Villarreal go ahead. Uh, and I was really hoping 
Chukwueze wouldn't slot it in with that really tight angle, but uh, I mean, oh, the overall play by Villarreal was fantastic, and it was a great and really well-worked uh, goal by them. But I mean, we were seeing the replays still on TV, and, and just when the game came back on, I mean, Griezmann was already making his run uh, into the box, and barely had time to see it, but it was a wonderful goal and much-needed one because uh, Barcelona would have... Um, gone behind for, for maybe too long, maybe they would have started feeling the pressure, the, the need to score, and, and maybe that anxiety would have been very negative for them. So very important that Griezmann was there to equalize really soon. And, I mean, Griezmann is in great form in general right now. Why do you think that is? Is it because of the system change? I mean, I think the formation has really benefited the team as a whole, and a lot of players individually, not just Griezmann, you know, have... Uh, stepped up their game Frankie de Jong also being a great example and, and lots of others like Jordi Alba like um, Dest etc but um, if we talk about Griezmann specifically um, I really don't think his game has changed so much from before but he just looks so uh, confident at the moment you know and I think that's really something positive for him that his movements are a lot smarter he's at the right place at the right time and that's how he got you know those those two goals with those fantastic moves and he just seems so much uh, more determined at the moment and I think it's really doing well to his game because he scored in the last three games and hopefully um, he can keep this up and this will be um, his moment to shine I think the end of the season really important games coming up and this could be uh, Griezmann's time, you know, to step up and prove he's a crucial uh, member of the squad. In the second half, there was a red card for Manu Trigueros for a horrific studs-up tackle on Messi. And, I mean, it was clear. But Villarreal actually dealt with going down to 10 really well, didn't they? The 10 men of Villarreal actually made it difficult for Barcelona at the end. In that second half, I mean, Villarreal looked the better side overall, I'd say. Uh, with 11 and with 10 men, they um, generated good opportunities. They were dangerously going towards Ter Stegen's goal. And when Trigueros got sent off, I honestly thought it would be an opportunity for Barca to kind of relax, have more possession, avoid uh, Villarreal putting uh, the team in, in trouble. But it didn't really happen. And when Villarreal were still very intense, still going forward. Um, and they still try to get that draw despite the important game they have on Thursday. Uh, so, I mean, it could have gone any way. I was worried that maybe they'd get a last-minute draw or something, which was still on the cards for sure. Uh, and I thought that maybe then Mele should have come on a bit sooner to make the most of those spaces because Barca weren't doing too much damage to, to 10 men. Although, of course, Dembele was coming from an injury and I understand that it might have been too risky. This season, Barcelona have struggled against the very top teams like PSG, Real Madrid, Atletico, Juventus at home too. But they do so well in these games against what I would describe as the upper middle class of La Liga. They've won away now at Villarreal, at Real Sociedad, at Atletic, at Betis, at Sevilla. Do they deserve more credit for winning these tough domestic fixtures? It's definitely quite surprising because I don't think there's that much of a difference between the top teams and those upper middle class ones you were mentioning, at least not in La Liga. And we all know that uh, the top teams 
can also struggle against middle and even lower sides and, and have dropped a lot of points, like, for example, Real Madrid or Atletico themselves, you know. So it's definitely uh, really tough to win uh, these kind of fixtures and it's not easy to add three after points after three points. So definitely a lot of credit for Barcelona to achieving these uh, really good results. But if they want to win this competition, they have to step up their game against the bigger sides. And we all know that that game against Atletico de Madrid is going to be really decisive. So uh, Barcelona have to perform um, at the level that they have been against these um, upper middle class teams and, and play a really consistent game and maybe even do better than against them because Atletico will definitely uh, put everything they have on that field to, to make sure they can win this league. Yeah, that Barca versus Atletico game is going to be huge. I've mentioned it already, but I'll say it again. It's on May 8th, everybody. So don't make plans for that Saturday. And if you have plans, maybe start working out how to cancel them. Now, Roman, just to touch on Villarreal some more, Paul Torres said afterwards that there could be no better preparation for their Europa League semi-final against Arsenal than by playing Barcelona. Do you agree? Do you think they go into this Arsenal game in good shape? I can understand why Pau is saying this because it's probably better to play a strong side uh, than not maybe play a weaker team, win 5-0 and have too much confidence uh, for the Europa League tie where you think you're much better than you really are, you know. So I'm in that sense, uh, it's always good to play a strong team who makes it difficult for you so you can kind of analyze and improve and, and, up, and make those changes for the next game against Arsenal in this case. But um, at the same time... Uh, they were playing with 10 men for a long time and they were really going uh, for the, the draw at least and, and they put a lot of uh, intensity to that match. So I'm a bit worried in terms of physical condition how they'll be. And in terms of the football, I do think BNL are doing quite well. They do drop points now and then, of course, but um, I think they have quite a lot of confidence now than maybe a month or so back where they were struggling quite a lot. Uh, so I think it is a good moment for them and they definitely have uh, opportunities and possibilities of going uh, through to the final. Thanks, Roman. We'll move on now to the other title challenger who won their fixture this weekend. That's Sevilla. They had a home derby against Granada and won 2-1, but the game made headlines not just for the final score. In each of our matchday recaps, we have a segment called our Sore Throat Game of the Week, it's about a game where something wild or amazing happened and where we got to hear some wacky commentary. There's no doubt that this game fits that description of wacky, given what happened with the final minute. Here's Matt Clark then to talk us through everything that happened. Sevilla came into this Andalusian derby in fine form and knocking on the door of the top three. Granada had also enjoyed a couple of wins lately, as they were beginning to threaten a charge for seventh place once again. Diego Martinez knows all about the Seville club, of course, having coached their B team and assisted Unai Emery on the technical staff. The hosts went ahead from the penalty spot after Papu Gomez was fouled in the box. Granada have conceded 12 penalties in La Liga this season, more than any other side. Ivan Rakitic stepped up and scored his seventh goal of the season in all competitions. Here's how it sounded on Deportes Cope Sevilla. Ivan Rakitic, pierna derecha. El colegiado queda el ok. Ahí va Rakitic, pierna derecha, gol, 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 Into the second half, and Sevilla got the cushion Lopetegui was hoping for. Great play from Papu Gomez, who was looking better with every game, 
cut it back for Lucas Acampos to score his first La Liga goal from open play this season. The Cope commentators admired the move, as you can hear. Ocampos! Goal, 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 and they got a lifeline late on through a penalty of their own, which Roberto Soldado tucked away. Events then took a bizarre twist. Referee De Burgos Bengo Echea blew the final whistle after 93 minutes, but there were supposed to be four added on. Granada protested and eventually the referee had to call the players back out. It was surreal, as many players had already returned to the changing rooms and started to undress. In comical scenes, they had to put their shin pads and socks back on pitch side like a game at school. It was borderline farcical. Pete Jensen and Guillaume Balaguer described the action on La Liga TV, making the point that players make mistakes, so of course referees can too. Well, what would, um, can you imagine now if Granada get the equaliser? That's Monchi saying to Fernando. you better get back out there. <laughs> you better go back in. He made a mistake. The referee made a mistake. He was very convinced of what, we, what he was telling everyone, but actually uh, somebody made him realise that he had called the game of a minute too early so we all mis we all accept the mistake of the goalkeeper we all accept the mistake of the defender and the forward the mistake of the manager when uh, when he chooses the wrong player or the wrong team or the wrong tactics come on let's accept that he's made a mistake and let's play thankfully for all involved the final 60 seconds elapsed without consequence and sevilla celebrated their victory that's now eight in their last nine since being knocked out of the Champions League and five on the spin. They're doing all they can to put the pressure on the top three and they believe they're ready to pounce on any slip up. This victory also mathematically qualified Sevilla for next season's Champions League, the eighth time in the last 15 years they've achieved this. They've taken 70 points in La Liga, their highest ever at this stage of the season and as many as they collected in the entirety of the last campaign. Similarly, the top four is now sealed with five rounds still to play, something that has never happened before. As the incredible title race shows, these four clubs are undoubtedly a level above the rest. Yeah, Sevilla are doing brilliantly, even able to go back out and respond to a weird situation like this one. I loved what Julius Gunde put on Twitter afterwards. He wrote, if you want, let's play the whole match again. That's just brilliant, and it shows the confidence oozing out of this side right now. We're going to take a quick break now and then when we come back, it's time to talk Real Madrid vs Betis and then the relegation battle. That's coming up in a few ticks. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everybody and welcome back in to this La Liga Lowdown episode. We've still got so much to discuss from what was a wild match day 32, so let's get on with it. Let's discuss the 0-0 draw between Real Madrid and Real Betis on Saturday night. We had Real Betis fan and journalist David Whitworth on in midweek after a goalless Betis draw that was disappointing. They were held at home by Athletic. Now let's bring David back on to discuss a draw that I'm sure Betis fans are a lot happier about. So David, it finished 0-0 and Claudio Bravo wasn't too troubled. How did Betis manage to neutralise Real Madrid's attack? Well, Betis managed to keep Real Madrid at bay by being a cohesive unit. It's a common theme since the start of the year that Manuel Pellegrini has really drummed into the team the importance of organisation, solidity and it showed... With the game against Real Madrid, Betis defended from the back. Great performance again by Claudio Bravo, making a couple of key saves. Backline was solid once again. That duo of Mandy and Victor Ruiz really are giving Betis a lot of um, rigidity at the back and a lot of confidence that breeds confidence for the rest of the team as well. If you know that you're keeping clean sheets and you know that you're going into games knowing that your defence is as rock-solid as possible. Gives the team enormous confidence. But I have to say, the main man of this team now is Guido Rodriguez. He's everywhere on that pitch. Tactically, he's always in the right position. Well-organised. Typical leader. And he gives and confidence to the rest of the team. And these key fundamental pillars ensured that we kept Real Madrid to... Some chances, you know that you're going to give away chances to the to the big teams. But overall, yeah, we managed to keep Real Madrid at bay for, for most of the game. It was a slightly more defensive approach than usual from Betis. Maybe having Nabil Fakir and Christian Tejo out actually helped with that. Is, that. is that fair? Is that accurate? I believe it worked in Betis' favour that Fakir and Tejo didn't play this game because... With them in the team, the team is much more individual and 
prone to attack, not in a collective way. And certainly Fakir is very much, he can win a match on his own. But sometimes, certainly last season, he was isolated a lot. And he would, most of his work would be because it was individual. It wasn't teamwork. This season, he's become much more of a team player. But having said that, still without him in the team, uh, Betis are, are, are less predictable. Yeah, more of a, a defensive uh, approach without them. But I think collectively, it worked out. Certainly the form of, of Canales as well and, and what he brings to the table. He played much more up front with Borja Iglesias. But he brings that team player essence to, to, to the squad, to the, to the team. And it certainly helped us to become more of a unit, more organised. And that certainly helped the team to get the draw. Let's talk about Joaquin, David. He got a start against Real Madrid and that's always great to see. What is his role in this beta squad at the moment? Well, Joaquin continues to defy belief, even at the ripe old age, ripe young age of 39, close to 40. He's still one of Betis's main players and it showed against Real Madrid. He played 60 minutes, normally his classic time because you can't expect him to play every game now. Recently, his role has been coming off the bench, impact player. And with that, you know you've got quality. You know you've got a talisman, a captain, a leader, even for 15, 20 minutes. And certainly in the game against Valencia, it shows that set plays, dead ball specialists, he's still got that quality. He doesn't need much to make an impact. But against Real Madrid, yeah, he started from from the very beginning, played nearly an hour and put in a really good shift. And um, he's the benchmark for the rest to show that even at his age, he's still performing at the highest quality. And I'll be absolutely amazed if the club don't offer him at least another year to get him to 40, to make sure that fans can say goodbye to him in the right way possible with fans back in the stadium and for him to hopefully enjoy one last hurrah in, in European football. Now, let's talk Real Madrid. Do you think they were conserving some energy at all for their Chelsea game coming up on Tuesday? Well, Real Madrid's fabled competition is the Champions League, even more so than the league. And it wouldn't surprise me if Real Madrid had one eye on, on the Chelsea game, being so close to a final once again. So I believe there was a little bit mentally, maybe not physically, but mentally in their minds, thinking of we've got an important game midweek against Chelsea in the in the Champions League. But nonetheless, this is a team that are used to playing week in and week out, twice a week. So in that respect, there's no excuse You've always got to concentrate on the game that comes up. Like Diego Simeone says, partido a partido, match by match. And it's a cliche, but that's how you've got to look. Because if you look too far in the future, you're going to get burnt. And it's a, a classic scenario, but it, it does catch teams out. And I'm convinced that Real Madrid did have one eye on, on that match. So the timing was right for us to, to play them. But still, nonetheless, even if it would have been in, in, in a scenario where there was no match, we matched uh, Real Madrid 
Okay, thanks, David. I think we're all looking forward to those midweek European fixtures. We've got Real Madrid against Chelsea on Tuesday in the Champions League, and then Villarreal against Arsenal on Thursday in the Europa League. Of course, we'll have detailed coverage of these ties on the League of Lowdown's Twitter account, so make sure to follow if you're not already. Let's look now at the race for next season's European competition. As Matt mentioned earlier, Sevilla have now sealed Champions League qualification. Then in fifth place, we've got Real Sociedad, who still have to play Ibar on Monday night. Real Betis are in sixth after their point, and Villarreal are seventh in what is the last European qualification spot, the Conference League spot. Then there's a seven-point gap to Granada in eighth, but Granada do have a game in hand, although it is against Barcelona. It's then Celta Vigo who follow in ninth as they managed to leapfrog Osasuna this weekend. They defeated the informed side from Pamplona. They won 2-1, one of uh, four 2-1 victories we saw on Sunday. No surprises, of course, that Iago Aspas was among the scorers there. Let's talk relegation now and let's focus in on Elche, who are no longer in the bottom three. That's because Huesca were beaten 2-0 at home to Hitafi with Enezunal doubling his goals tally for the season. And Real Valladolid could only draw 1-1 with Cadiz to see them slip down as well. That means it's Real Valladolid, Huesca and Ibar in the bottom three right now. And it means that Elche are one point clear. That's because they hosted a toothless Levante side on Saturday and sent them back across the Valencian community with a 1-0 defeat. Lucas Boye scoring the only goal. Let's discuss this match now with Elche fan Keith Farnan. And after Elche threw away a lead against Real Valladolid in midweek, how important was it to win this one, Keith? Yeah, it was massive. It was absolutely massive. I'll be honest and say I really thought after Rigoni came on, it cost us that game against Valladolid with that uh, awful header and the, the missed one-on-one. I really thought that we had thrown it away and we'd... We basically set ourselves up to be relegated and that would be the nail in the coffin. But against uh, what would be a much tougher opposition in Levante, we obviously uh, we came out and we, we won 1-0. It was, it was a brilliant performance. Uh, I actually, genuinely in this game, I never felt, uh, I never felt uh, uncomfortable. I thought we were really good the whole game. Levante never really troubled Gazaniga and... Yeah, so I'm I'm very happy because it was extremely important and uh, we absolutely needed it. What's interesting to me is that Fran Escriba hasn't really changed his tactical plan too much since coming in. It's just that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Will that be enough in the end? Well, I'd like to think it will be enough, but at the same time I can understand why it, it may be uh, seen as not being enough because... We've won uh, three out of five home games and drawn the other two, so it's clearly working at home. But away from home, our form has not been good under uh, Fran Escriba. But I do think that it can uh, it can work away from home, but he does need to make slight tweaks uh, for uh, away games against uh, Sociedad and uh, Cadiz because they're massive games. We need to go and get something against those teams so I think he does need to make some slight changes, but I see no issue with playing this, especially in the home games. So hopefully it will be enough. 
I don't know if it will or it won't, but after this game against Levante, I'm more confident definitely than I was. In this game, Pablo Piatti came in for the suspended Perry Mia. How did he do? Yeah, I was really happy with Pablo Piatti. You know, obviously he came in for Perry Mia, who was after getting that phenomenal assist during the week against uh, Valladolid. But I thought Pablo Piatti and Luca Boye really complemented each other well in this game. Pa- Pablo's got that high energy kind of high tempo kind of play and obviously he, he got a goal but it was it was disallowed rightfully for offside but the whole game you just felt like he was uh he was capable of, of picking apart that Levante defense and obviously when he went off I think we lost a bit of that attacking edge but at the same time it very much solidified us with Mfulu in there but Piatti and Boye were brilliant I think I think the whole team was brilliant but Pablo Piatti coming in for the suspended Peremia, I thought, top-notch job, as well as all the other players who, who came in due to injuries and suspensions. So, yeah, very, very happy. And lastly, Keith, what have you made of the strange Edgar Badia benching? What's going on there? Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make about the whole thing because obviously I've raved about Edgar Badia on this podcast before because I just think he's a top top goalkeeper I think he's really really good and to be honest I think maybe this could be Edgar Badia obviously is a very low release clause I think this could be a club has come in and talked to Badia and it's basically an agreement in principle that he may be leaving and so El Chaplain Gazaniga with the intention of bringing him in on a permanent deal next season but I'm really not sure because I think even still, Edgar Badia has been one of the top, top goalkeepers in La Liga this season. I think he's got to play. Obviously, Gazaniga has done not a lot wrong in his three games. So, I think it's a really strange one. But whichever helps the team, that's what that's what I'm happiest with. And uh, whichever of them plays, I'll, I'll back them till the end. OK, thanks, Keith. So, the only game we've not mentioned so far in this episode is the 1-1 draw between Valencia and Alaves at Mestalla. For Alaves, that's another big point under Javi Calleja, and they're now two points above the relegation zone. Still not safe, but so much better than they were just a few weeks ago. And they get to play bottom side Ibar next week, so maybe they can add to their tally then. That's all in the future. For now, I hope you've enjoyed this recap of Match Day 32. Thanks to Roman de Arquer, Matt Clark, David Whitworth and Keith Farnan for their contributions to this episode. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I appreciate you tuning in. Remember, if you have a friend or family member who's also enthralled by the La Liga title race right now, then do please tell them about this podcast. The more the merrier as we discuss each of the match days from now to the end of the season. We'll do so, as always, with fans and journalists from the clubs across Spain. For now, thanks again and have a good week, everyone. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 